Welcome to the big leagues, Marge. There's over 50 years of real estate experience right in this room. And 42 of those years are gills. Marge, it's a real pleasure. You got any leads? I need some leads. Please help me. That's enough, Gil. Don't drag her down with you. That's Cookie Kwan. She's number one on the west side. Hi, Marge. Stay off the west side. And there's Nick Callahan. A headset telephone? I thought those only existed in the movies. Booyah! Guess who sold the Whitman Place? Hey, wait a minute. I've been working on the Whitman Place for 21 years. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we're here to review Realty Bites. I'm Dando. I'm Mitch. I'm going to let you take away this one, man, because you this is one of your favourites. You wrote about it in the book. Proceed. Yes. Yeah, well, it is my favourite episode from Season 9, and after re-watching it again, probably a year and a half or two, well, longer, it's probably been two years or however long it was that we were writing the book, um, I... I still stand by that. I think that it, it stands up really, really well. And it's not to say that this is the best episode. It's just my favorite episode from season nine. But I really, really enjoy it every time that I watch it. It's so great. Like, if this is going to be the last time that we see Lionel Hutz, it, it, oh, well, and properly, properly hear him, Lionel Hutz. But it's so great that it's not just a one-off scene where they go to visit him. Like, you know, to have him, to have it have worked out that he at least got to play an integral role and deliver so many great lines from from the moment that he enters the episode till the moment he leaves it. It's just a um, it's bittersweet because you just wish that obviously that nothing bad ever happened to Phil. And from a selfish point of view, you you wish that he could have kept making things that entertained me. Uh, obviously, on a deeper point of view, anyone that knew or loved Phil, you know, you you. It obviously goes without saying you don't want him to, or they don't want him to have not been around anymore. But it's um, it's a hell of a note to go out on. It truly marks like the uh, the end of an era for the show, doesn't it? Where so it's almost like a passing of the torch. Where Gil Gunnison he gets introduced in this episode, he almost mm. took the position of Lionel Hutz, didn't he? What do you mean? Oh, as in like from this point on? Yeah, he... character in the show going forward. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know how often Gil appeared, for, like at the same rate, like how often Gil came in versus how often uh, either Troy McClure or Lionel Hutz came in. Um, I what, suppose what, what, what do you mean by that, though? Sorry, I scrapped the Troy McClure bit. He just appeared when I when I googled Gil Gunderson and I was talking, and Troy McClure came out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Troy's been on it for a while. <laughs> yeah, no, um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to know like if they went to him as often as they went to Hutz in each season as they went on from here. Oh, they do because I know you didn't watch the show as frequently as what I did, and he, I would almost go as far as to say he appears more often than what Lionel Hutz does. Mm. He because because Hutz in the first say. Seven or so seasons, eight seasons. Well, is this the first time I've seen Hutz not being a lawyer? Uh, well, aside from when he was Miguel Sanchez. Yeah, yeah. So that's true. Yeah, in Marginal Lamb. But it's it's like Hutz only really appears when they need a, a shitty lawyer, right? Mm. But Gil, he can be many things. You know, he's he's just the loser, which is why they're able to use him more often. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, any like everyman job, you can plug Gil into and have him struggling yeah like sales is the best one because he was the 
you know, for, I'm sure a lot of people would be aware, but he was based off of the character Lemon. Pl- Sorry, thank you. Played by Jack Lemon from Glen Gary Glen Ross, and it's it's a really bang on impression. And it's actually something that I do enjoy. Like normally, a character like that is just done once, and that'd be the end of it. The fact that they kept bringing him back is pretty cool, and it really is amazing that it's this far into the show's run before Gil's introduced because he's just felt and I think we've discussed this on you know our most popular side characters or something like that but he just feels like such an integral part of the show it felt like he'd always been around yeah it's right and the funny thing is that he wasn't really supposed to be a recurring character he Mm. he was only going to be in this and do you think that if Hutt's the tragedy didn't happen to, to Hartman that Gil would have been brought around as frequently as what he did? Because I know that they brought him back because they found him so funny, so I guess they would have, but do you think th- yeah. he would have been so prominent? I think he still would have been, yeah. There's no reason not to be, because it just would have been a new toy that they wanted to play with in a from a writing perspective. Yeah, that's true. Now, for someone who hasn't seen Glenn Gary Glenn, Glenn Ross, can you explain to me uh, Gil's character? Is he a good homage to Jack Lemmon? He's 100% bang on, yeah. So, the premise behind Glen Gary Glen Ross is it's a bunch of guys working in a real estate uh, agency in America who are down on their luck, all but one. So, you've got this young guy, Ricky Romer, who's the hotshot. He's just putting numbers up like you wouldn't believe. Um, but the other guys who have been in the game a long time are having a bad streak. And... Gil, uh, Jack Lemon's character is is one of those in particular. Now, the premise behind Glengarry Glen Ross is a guy comes in and says to them all, you know, you all know that the first prize for the sales contest this month is a Cadillac Eldorado. Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. So, it puts Jack in this very desperate, trying to get his hands on some decent quality leads and the couple people that he does have, he's just like a real snake oil salesman like you know he'd be like ah you're a fucking secretary fuck you in the office and then the second he's on the phone he's like oh hello this and like he's doing that thing of he's calling from you know the town that these people live in but it'd be like he'd present it pretending to be an executive it's like oh i'm only in town for this weekend so if i could pop out tonight that would be excellent it's that kind of just every, there isn't a lie big enough to be able to try to get a sale I, I didn't really find this episode overly funny, though. Did, did you? Like, I I found it as a, to be an entertaining one, but it didn't have too many laugh-out-loud moments. Like, Hutz, I thought, was great, and Gil Gunnison, I thought, was mm. great, but Mar- the Marge story in general, whilst it was interesting, it wasn't very funny. It's like, I, Marge, I f- once again, puts her morals in front of actually having a job. Yeah, okay, I can, I'll give you that. Uh, there's probably not many belly laughs in it. Like, it's not massive laugh-out-loud, but it's a... More of just a entertaining satire, I think, mm. on the on the perception of real estate agents in general that you need. A lot of people would think that they're one of the least honest professions going around. It just sort of made me realise that, and some people out there going to hate me saying this, but Marge she's just a very boring character. I mean, she she does from time to time have some one liners, and she's a great person in that sense. But when it comes to a comedy, she, there's just not much to her, and I can just imagine she must have been a nightmare to write for. She's fairly. One dimension. She's bland, yeah. Yeah. So I, I I still think Marge can be hilarious. But for being bland. Well, mostly from being bland, yeah. And then every now and then she might come out with something that you don't expect. Um rolling under the garage door and jumping up in the air and screaming Marge. Although even that, in a sense, is a really bland stunt. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I did think that um that snake shined in this episode though. 
more so than we've seen him mm. in the past. I really like how what I really like the way they tied together the subplot to the A plot because it, it doesn't happen really, that often. No, it really feels like you know it was just going to meander off and Homer and Snake were going to have a fight and whatever happens. But the fact that they literally bring it crashing back into the main storyline is pretty cool. Did you mean that pun there? Yes, I did. <laughs> that was actually an unused line from the book. Oh, okay. <laughs> I went back. To, I went back to my original notes. Uh, would you like to hear? So, like, I, I I've read it and I won't do it again. But the opening, I think I did an opening paragraph when I reviewed yeah, this yeah. on on Phil Hartman. Do you want? So, like, that was maybe hundred and twenty words or something like that. Would you like to hear the note that I gave myself that inspired that 120-odd words? Why not? Hit me. Final speaking role of Hutz, elaborate like fuck. (laughs) And elaborate like fuck you did. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That was it. Watched the episode, came back, looked at my notes and went, aha. (laughs) Good directions, sir. I think a lot of people remember this episode for Snake's premium dude, don't you reckon? Mm. I think premium dude is one of the best snake lines and but one no, of the it, it is the best it's got to be the best right the, the dude at the end makes it uh yeah the second dude does make it i mean see you in hell punk nah, this is, is better than that decent but this is better yeah, yeah. this is more quotable <laughs> yeah and well every time you fill up the car so once a week once a fortnight premium dude is just right in front of you at the bowser dude <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't quite remember though how much like he, like he generally wanted to actually kill Homer. I forgot that aspect. Mm. I, I, I always remember him wanting the car back, but I couldn't remember like the when he says, well, "Wait, wait for that snap." Where's the snap? And he wanted to decapitate him and things like that. I was like, "Oh, he actually wanted to kill yeah. him," like, which I yeah. guess makes sense for the character. Yeah, I mean, has Snake ever done a murder though? I don't know. He's just been sort of like just. Armed robbery mostly, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, just burglary, and suddenly he stepped up. Yeah, it just seems like it just seemed a bit extreme. I was like, oh my. Yeah, he obviously cares a lot about his car. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Now, I another thing I didn't like about this episode, right, is that Homer I thought was a jerk once again as a father and a husband as well as a friend. He was just a, a, not a very good person in this episode. Yeah, he was a real jerk, but he really just enjoyed his car. <laughs> like yeah, but like was, yes, he's a jerk. But I also enjoyed seeing Homer just be kind of boyishly happy about having a sweet ride. Oh, it was it was funny. Don't get me wrong, but that's where a lot of the comedy comes from. Homer now, him being a jerk. But I'm talking about the line yeah. where he says, "Um, oh, Marge, I'm so proud of you for selling a house. What's for dinner?" Mm. But I just thought, like when he when he dumps Marge off at the side of the road because he'd rather drive the car than spend time with her and stuff like that. And I don't know, just, yeah. I, he just came across like a real douchebag. <laughs> He, he yeah, has, and he which, doesn't. He doesn't sort of have any um, forgiving moments in this episode. He doesn't really win you back. He's just a jerk from start to finish. That's true. He doesn't learn anything from it. There's no real there's no repercussions for being a jerk. Marge just puts up with it, and yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll grant you that. And that is, uh, I mean, it's one of the reasons I think why these episodes, why people viewed the first eight seasons so much better because Homer was a much more rounded character. Um, and you know, for in a lot of episodes and for a, a good deal of the show's run, he was very, very sweet, and he certainly goes away from that, apart from the occasional episode where they bring it back in. Because, like you said, in the first eight seasons, Homer, 
He wasn't. He was. He was a dick in some episodes. He was ignorant, but Marge would lash out at him, or someone would lash out at him, and he'd think about it and then try and win that person back. He just does not do that anymore. No one holds. Mm. No one holds Homer accountable for anything anymore. It's just oh, that's just Homer. Yeah, and I never and I never really got it when people used to talk about it. But now that we're reviewing it, I'm starting to really notice it. I was like, oh yeah, I can kind of see what you talk been talking about now, mm-hmm. where the, the shift in the character, and because Homer is the main character, the whole show shifted. Yeah. But anyway, what was your favourite moment from the episode? Oh, geez. So, there's a few to choose from. Uh, Honourable mention to Kirk getting his arm cut off. Oh, did you Now, did you find that, to me, it caught me off guard. But like, like, mm. the first time I watched it, the very first, not this time, the very first time I watched it. Because it's not the kind of thing you see very often in The Simpsons. But then, mm. like, just to have him wearing, like, if his arm's getting cut off, it's not getting stitched back on. And then, at the end, he's just wearing a sling. Whilst it's really funny, it's a, bit unrealistic is it not it's a bit too unrealistic for the simpsons i honestly didn't even notice him at the end it is definitely too unrealistic it's a big shift but by this point they've realized that people don't care um yeah what i like about it don't you think it's a shame that they that they've just conceded uh, people don't care like oh people don't care anyway so let's just do what we want wouldn't you want to win those people back by doing No, no 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 what i meant was people don't care if you break the rules of reality don't they like Because you stopped watching no, at this point. And a lot of people stopped no watching. One ca- no, no, no. What I mean is no one cared when Leonard Nimoy beamed himself up after the monorail. Like, But that's not cutting someone's limb off and then having it just ma- miraculously back on their body again three seconds no, later. No, but it's, it's also not real. Like it's, And no one no one pulled him up on stuff like that. So as you were able to get more and more into uh, zany unrealistic cartoon stuff. It's not like anyone didn't stop laughing or anyone other than Matt Groening went, no, you can't do that in real life, so I won't accept it on The Simpsons. Like, yeah. that that was all I meant by not care. Yeah. Well, uh, that was your favourite moment, I, was it? No, no, no. I, was, I said that was an honourable mention. Okay, no, but sorry, yeah. It made me think of Mad Magazine. It felt like a sort of, not Spy versus Spy, but it felt like one of the sort of side panel comics that they would have or something like that. Yeah, I and, see that. I mean, the obvious, the setup of thinking that the sandwich is going to be cut and then the fact that it's the arm. But it's also just Kirk's, ow, <laughs> I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, I think my actual favourite, and it's just because of how bad this advice is, is Huts with, the right house is the one that's for sale. The right person is anyone. Anyone. <laughs> Hutz is the perfect salesman, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. Well, perfect as in he absolutely personifies that greedy sales mentality of it's all about him. Actually, like, that must be that must be very re- rewarding. Yes, the money is good. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, is, is this the first time we've seen Hutz good at a job? Like, he, we don't but, know that he is good at a job. No, he's good at being a salesman, a, a real estate is agent. It, but you don't see him sell anything. All you do is see him give bad advice to Marge and live in a house with dogs that he hasn't sold yet. Oh, it's, it's it's bad morally advice, but it's good if you're a salesperson. He wouldn't um, he, he wouldn't be running the show if he was bad at it. Sure, he would. It's his business. That's how it works. He just had the cash to front up for it. Yeah, I don't know. He just needs people around him to be good at it for the business to make money. It makes you wonder why you're staying in the house when he has his own business. You could just sleep at the back. Mm. But anyway. <laughs> Getting back to that moment about Kirk getting his arm cut off. Do you know that was actually meant to be just the sandwich getting cut in half? Oh, was it? And I then George Meyer pitched, or why don't we get his? Why don't we cut his arm off instead? And Mike Scully has mentioned that 
uh, there was such a belly laugh, like one of the biggest uproars of laughter in a long time in the in the writers' room that they decided to go with it. Yeah, hmm. he sort of well, said it as a go. passing comment, as a joke, and they they just went with it. Yep. What was your favorite moment? Cookie Kwan having to go at Gil and Gil going, "Oh, the, 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 I'm not Cookie. I'm, I'm scared of you." <laughs> <laughs> Gil was just fantastic. Like Dan as Gil is just incredible. So so great. Yeah. I brought this wall from home. Yeah. <laughs> How good is that? <laughs> oh, um, I We can do alternate titles and trivia, but I also wanted to... I won't, co- I won't go so far as calling this a new segment, but a lot of the time I watch these episodes and I write in my notes a question that I should ask you and then I forget uh, or it gets glossed over or we don't talk about a particular thing. So... Um, Questions from the episode for you, Dando. What is the worst thing that you've ever done without Nicola's permission? As Homer it, it, obviously it, bought a car and then without she's, permission. And, and then she's found out, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm obviously not asking you to confess to something. You've got away with it, <laughs> yes, keep that under your hat. I was like, well, how much trouble do you want me to get in here? <laughs> <laughs> I bought a cast-signed Star Wars Empire Strikes Back poster. It costs $1,100. <laughs> and then this is when we're on our honeymoon and then she made me take it back to the shop and get a refund <laughs> oh no you got March back but the thing is I found out that it was a fake anyway so it was win-win oh yeah okay that's good Jesus yeah. did you guys speak to anyone in America that didn't try to scam me? <laughs> I know I did. went to this place on um, it was in uh, San Francisco on yeah. the pier pier 30 so, Pier 53 or Pier something. It's the Pier at San Francisco. And there was just this memorabilia store. And they had all this sign shit. And they got me, man. He just hook, hook line, and sinker. And I bought this thing. It was $850 US dollars. So, it was about $1,100, $1,200. And um, yeah. And then I looked up the re- re- I looked up reviews after I'd purchased it. And it turns out that everyone was complaining, saying they're fake. Don't ever buy from these guys. They, they sign the posters themselves. Nothing comes with a legit certificate, blah, blah, blah. And I was like... Oh no! <laughs> and then Nicola's like, "Take it back!" And I was like, "Yeah, I probably should." So I took it back, and Nicola came with me, and we—they didn't want to give a refund, but Nicola is very convincing, and um, yeah. she's very scary when she wants to be. And they gave me my money back. <laughs> oh, bless! That's good. Yeah, yeah, That's but fun. um, yeah. So that—that that was me buying something off impulse, and yep. now I learn to ask Nicola first. <laughs> yes, nice. <laughs> uh, I—I I coincidentally may or may not have bought a well. Ash you bought a car, didn't you? Bought a car without her knowledge. Now, I maintain that was just a communication breakdown, and I'm, <laughs> I, I like I semi blame her for not knowing about it, <laughs> but, but she's pretty out of it that that was my fault. You, you mentioned it; she just wasn't in the room. Yeah, like I, I used kind of car sales code, um, because I wanted a trade in, and we discussed in the lead up if I get X amount for the trade, then I'd be happy with it. And she went, okay. And then later I said, they gave me that amount for the trade. Now, admittedly, I did not say, so I bought it. But I thought it was fairly implied that if I got that number, I was going to buy it. <laughs> did you get, like, was, was Ash genuinely pissed? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a rough few days. I sli- <laughs> it's a good thing I bought that new car, Dando, because it gave me somewhere to sleep. <laughs> Here's, here's a secret. I've bought some stuff from work, right? And they're on my yeah. desk at work, but they're so expensive that I'm paying them off weekly, but Nicola doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little uh, exclusive. <laughs> um, 
Why is your take home pay less? I'm just diverting it into superannuation. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, here's a Sonic 25th anniversary statue. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my second question is, would you live in a murder house or death house of some kind? Yeah, of course I would. Yeah, oh, me dep- too. Depends uh, on how nice the house is. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you, you're not going to do it just because it's a murder house, what? but you wouldn't not move into a place because someone was... Murdered there. I rented two places in Cario. I'm assuming people died in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How many How many consecutive families would need to have been massacred before you might think maybe it's a, maybe it's the house? Well, that's another question is the consistency of the deaths and how they died and whether it's the same person coming back for more. Mm. Yeah. Mur- is people being murdered consistently in a similar way? I might reconsider. But if it's just I guess yeah. there was a, you know... A drug, fucking an argument over drugs, or whatever, and one guy shot another guy, and then he felt bad and he shot himself, and whatever. I'd be like, yeah, just fucking clean up the blood and let's move in. Who cares? Yep, yeah. Now I'm 100 percent on the page with you, and I feel like that that's one of the best ways to. I mean, young people talk about how there's um how it's too difficult to get into the housing market these days, but I'm reading about shootings in Melbourne all the time. There's your answer. <laughs> just low lowball the agent, lowball the murder houses. I wonder if there actually is like every every agency has. Is there any real estate agents out there listening? Write in, mailbag or four-finger discount. Let us know. Does every agency have like its house that, you know, they've tried for so long to sell? It's the murder house mm. kind of thing. Not necessarily because there's murders there, but there's just one house that they just cannot get on, off the market. Yeah. And yeah, that'd be interesting. But for like, not because it's run down. Don't call up and go, oh yeah, it used to be like meth lab or something like that because that's obvious what's a house that presents well but you just can't get rid of but it has a backstory i expect no emails <laughs> <laughs> is that the only, is that the only questions you have for me or is that it yeah oh, the, more. they're my two well it was three i think i might have said three i think the other one was there wasn't a roman emperor named farticus but can we confirm if there was indeed one called biggest dickus from this day forward your names will be Alternate titles. Yes. For Realty Bites. Did you come up with one? No, I'll just leave it for you now. Leave that for me? All right. So, I just went with Glen Gary, Glen Marge. Nice and simple. Yeah, it works. There's a bunch of... So, Kelly Trokanowski and Andrew Polekity at the same time commented the truth and the truth. As in capitals? No, they didn't capitalize. I just... I know what they're after. Matt Krusik followed up almost at the same time with... You can't handle the truth. That's pretty good. Andy Gengler with the color purple drapes. Mm-hmm. It's not too bad. Uh, Nick Barbaro with the Wild Wild West Side. <laughs> Cookie Kwan, Cookie Kwan's West Side Story. Cookie Kwan, what a character! Oh, I think, I think Brendan Quinn might take out the competition this week with Murder She Sold. That's that's the best. Actually, is the best. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know if it's worth reading the rest, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> you lose. Good day, sir. <laughs> Apart from, because I promised it, and I got one angry react, so that's what's going to happen. Beck Lehman with, Shot down in a blaze of glory. <laughs> Is it blazer? Blazer of glory. Yeah, yeah, yes. good. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, thank you to the patrons for contributing this week. If you <laughs> want to be part of that segment, you just got to be a two dollar plus patron to join the Facebook group, patreon.com slash four finger discount. Yep. Um sorry, Kristen Nell has also actually requested on that comment Purple Drapes sung either to the tune of Purple Rain or Purple Haze. Mitch's choice. Purple drapes, 
Pebble Trapes. I only want to see you screaming in those purple drapes. <laughs> this show is just declining quality, sir. <laughs> but just if you ask me, this is the best intro we've ever done. <laughs> That's just a, a sound bite that I'm gonna have to use time and time again. <laughs> Do you, I hope you can auto-tune it if that's what's going to happen. Uh, shall we... Shall, it works perfectly. Yeah, it does. Uh, shall we move into trivia? Get out of singing territory? I'm just trying to think of how many memes I can make of purple drapes now as prints. Anyway, um, yeah, let's get into trivia. Next question. You there, eating the paste. Perfect. Now, before we get into trivia this week, Mitch, we should also mention that today we just kicked off our... Uh, live link for the upcoming Four Finger Discount Live podcast slash trivia at the Spotted Mallard. Once again, it's going to be on May mm-hmm. 30th this time. Um, yep. Our buddy Bodes is going to be back. He's returning to play some more live Simpsons tunes. And how fantastic is Bodes? Oh, Bodes was star of the show last time. Uh, yeah. it was, He's the only yeah. reason people are coming back. He's the only reason I'm going back. <laughs> it, it was a hell of a lot of fun and sold out last time. So if you didn't get tickets now, this time, oh, a second opportunity... We should point out, uh, because you know we're amateurs at this and we forgot to last time, the venue is not wheelchair accessible. So we apologize about that and we will look to take the show on the road. But um, there's a, ste- a set of steps that you need to be able to navigate to be able to get into the venue. Yes, it is. and once you're up there, it's a very, very... It's a great venue, isn't it? It just looks fantastic. Oh, it's an excellent room. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really brilliant setup for what we do. Yeah, we're going to do a live podcast beforehand. The birds will play some tunes. It's going to be a Simpsons-themed uh, food and drinks menu, so that's going to be great as well. And then, yeah, so three rounds of Simpsons trivia, prizes for first, second, and third, and best dressed. And we'll have a couple of mini games as well for some prizes. So it's going to be another another great night. Yeah. Uh, tickets are available now on Mosh Ticks. Just search Four Finger Discount or go to our page. It'll be pinned up the top of the, of the Facebook page. Now, Mitch, trivia, you kick off this week. We'll do what colour was Homer's tie? At the uh, sale. Very be- no, it's at the very beginning of the Ooh, episode I'm gonna when say he gets he told was, it's he was wearing Wednesday. aqua. I'm going to say like a purple colour? Mm, not quite. Orange. Orange. Orange and aqua. Yeah. What I love about that, it's Wednesday, Homer. Ah, I, I'm like, I, I got to get to work. He just has the tie with him. Like, like I... Has he grabbed it from behind the couch? Like, where did that tie come from? Oh, so he's not wearing it? No. Oh, no, he grabs it, puts course. it on, and he yeah. bails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I, I wanted to wait till we get to the episode, but let's discuss that. I forgot that was in this episode. How great is that as an opener? Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's got nothing to do and, with the actual story, but it's just, it's one of the more memorable moments, I think. I think so. And we've all had days where you've woken up and you're like, hang on, what day is it today? Do I go to work or do I not? And more often than not, it's a day that you have to go to work, which how, sucks. How good is the feeling though when you wake up thinking it's a work day and then you realise it's a Saturday? Mm. I don't. I honestly don't know if I've ever had it happen that way. Oh, I had it happen about a, I don't know, two weeks ago. Ah, oh, so nice. Oh, it was. The, it was just a great. It was kind of like when you wake up in the middle of the night and it's only about two a.m. But you think it's going to be like five or six, and you're like, oh yes, yeah. So got four Bonus more sleep. Hours of sleep. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Uh, my first question is: What is the price you have to pay to take the real estate test? Oh. Okay, that's much less. (laughs) Um, What commission commission does Lionel Hutz charge? 80%? No, 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 nowhere near that. 20%. Not even that. It's still slightly more realistic, but 6%. It's on the window when when March 4th first goes in, the 6% commission people. Now, contrast that. I don't know what American real estate agents are like, but in Australia... 
I mean, on average, 1.8 to 2.5. It's probably somewhere where you're hovering around. So at 6%, they are, by our standards, absolutely rotting you. In 1997, it's even more as well, probably. <laughs> Presumably. Uh, my next question is, how long had Gil been working on the Whitman place? Uh, eight years? 21 years. 21 years. Wowee. A third of his life. At- uh, going by the newspaper, how many, with the photo in the newspaper, uh, for a clue, how many murder victims were there? Oh, I'm going to say four. Nah, five. Five, damn it. Was it, because uh, it was three kids and two adults, was it? I, I just went by the outlines. I okay. don't know if it went into naming the individuals. I don't know whether they were smaller or not. Anyway, uh, no. my final question is, how much did Flanders pay as a deposit? correct. Yeah. Which is small for a deposit for a house that big. I actually, it made me look up real estate prices in the 90s in America. Um, That, like, presumably he's got that house for about 200 grand, which is an absolute steal. It is. But the thing is, it's a murder house, so they wouldn't have been charging much anyway, would they? Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess, like, it's within the realms of possibility, but it, geez, it made me, like, die inside a little bit to think what 10 grand could get you. <laughs> this episode also, now we're talking about Flanders, maybe realize that I think if they're ever going to get rid of a character on the show, I think they could have got rid of the Flanders family during the golden era and it, it would have been a big change but it also would have been a refreshing change, don't you think, to bring new new neighbors to the Simpsons neighborhood? Potentially. I don't, I don't think the show would have would have lost too much without having them there. You still need one good person in Springfield, which Ned is. Mm, that's tr- that is true, but he, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess you do know you do need a goody two shoes, but there's more than just Flanders now, right? Are there? <laughs> there aren't that many. Most I people. I suppose there's, there's there's people who whinge and complain and the busybodies. So I guess they're not actually good people, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're but, right. But I will say that when we watched the Squirt and the Whale, that. Flanders was my biggest problem in that episode where I was just like the dynamic doesn't work anymore between no, him and Homer. No, it definitely doesn't. No. So, yeah, I, I do get where you're coming from. But I don't know if you could entirely get rid of him. you just got to come up with a different way to use him. All righty, so Realty Bites. The original air date was December 7th, 1997. The chalkboard gag is there was no Roman god named Farticus. But was there one called, what was it, Dickus? Dicker? <laughs> biggest Dickus. Biggest Dickus. <laughs> From the life of Brian. <laughs> have and you ever seen? Have you seen the life of Brian? Not the life of Brian. I haven't. No. Ah, oh, mate, it's one of the funniest four minutes you'll ever see. Okay, a- so uh, I remember we had to watch it at school, but the tape didn't work. This is back when yeah. we were VHS, and because the tape didn't work, I was just I don't know. I've just never seen it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone right. always no, tells me I have to watch it, but I, I've seen Holy Grail. Just yeah. Michael Palin plays a Roman emperor with a slight speech impediment and so like there's nothing genius about this other than the fact that it's just very very silly and he starts talking he's pronouncing his r's as w's and that sort of thing and then he mentions his friend bigger stickers and the couple of the roman guards john cleese being one of them just start laughing and he's like who who did that who laughed and then like he's going down the line one by one it's like and what about you do you find something visible when I mention my friend's name, Bickus, Dickus, and it's just, 
just unbelievable. It, it's like that um, when you're laughing in church or you're laughing somewhere that you shouldn't be laughing and the harder you try not to laugh, the more you laugh. Is it a case though of it's funny because you're watching someone laugh? It helps, yes. Yeah, because that, that, that was just Jimmy Fallon's only way of getting laughter on SNL. Uh, yeah, or stand next to someone who's really good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> his, his news segments would always just be him breaking character and yeah. that was the only time people would actually laugh. Yeah. Anyway, we've, we've, we've shit on Jimmy Fallon enough on this podcast. Let's not do it again. <laughs> you say, yeah, it's mostly you. You managed to crowbar in our hatred for Jimmy Fallon to anything. I, d- I don't I've like gone how from- he's ruined a late night television. No, it- I know, but I've just gone from a conversation celebrating Monty Python. And you've gone, yeah, you know what I think about that? Jimmy Fallon, shit. It's because we were discussing him at work today and we are watching that video where he slaps the desk. It's like a, how yeah. many times Jimmy Fallon slaps a desk in an interview and pretends to laugh. Oh, uh, don't go on about it. You're going to end up like Jay Sherman in a padded room. <laughs> <laughs> he stinks. The episode kicks off with the, the Lazy Saturdays that we've already mentioned, which is absolutely hilarious. Uh, I love these Lazy Saturdays. It's Wednesday, Homer. Ah, work. <sighs> I love these real Saturdays. They're so relaxing. I like that fake Saturday that almost got me fired. Then it cuts to a moment there. It's so relatable for me now. Just Nicola and I on the weekend sitting around watching television. Like we should be out doing something, but we just don't. And I know having Elliot plays a role in that because you just don't want to go out. It's hard. You got to work around his mm. schedule. But have you ever found yourself? <laughs> Elliot has Ash, lots of appointments. Yes, have, but have you ever found yourself, you and Ash, going? We should be doing something, but I'd rather just sit here and watch this movie. Uh, yeah, but only if you take out the first half of that sentence. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> well, I've ever felt the guilt or like that. Ah, oh, should be out doing something. It's um never really been the case. I how, just do, how often do you guys just sit around where you... Where, if you're uh, guilty, you just sit around when you know you probably should be out doing something, but you know, you're know you comfortable just staying at home doing nothing. Yeah. It, um. Sometimes like there is that real plan for it of like, you know what? This Sunday, we're not leaving the couch and we're just going to watch six hours of whatever TV show back-to-back and that'll be us. And I won't feel that there's no... It could be 27 degrees and not a cloud in the sky and no wind. And I will not look out the window and think, geez, I should be out there. I will look out the window and think, oh, what a great day. Coffee? (laughs) On to the next episode. I did love the way Homer was trying to eat the popcorn by not using his hands. Yeah. Just a... And and the fact that he was failing, but he just kept trying was just just great. But anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, Marge is concerned that they're, they're wasting their lives away basically they're going to wake up and realize they've, got, they've done nothing with themselves homer tries to talk her out of wanting to go out and do something but eventually gives in and they go to the annual police auction now do these things actually exist um i assume it's not something that's been made up i've just never heard of one um police auction like, is there one in geelong what do you think it'd be like a statewide thing oh here we go policeauctions.com join free bid free uh, Victorian Police Auction, Breen Auction Group, unclaimed and forfeited goods. So, yeah, do, they, do you think they auction the stuff off and then put the money in charity? Is that what's happening? There's one next Tuesday. When? I mean, sorry, uh, where? Where? 9.50 a.m. in West Footscray. Really? Yeah. Wow. Do they give you an idea of what's going to be there? Uh, well, you've got a registration fee, 250 bucks. that's fully refundable. So, I guess if you don't win anything, you get your registration fee. Yeah. If no purchase is made, you get your 250 back. 
if you buy, you deduct the purchase price from. Yeah, okay. Um, so that's easy. So you essentially so, get your money back. Yeah, you pay two fifty yeah. to go in regardless. Uh, photo ID is required. Sixteen point five percent buyer's premium. There's a viewing day prior from one until four, and the morning of sale from eight. We should go to one of these. It sounds fantastic. I would love to. I wonder how often they have them. I'll try to. I'll try to tee one up with a day off of work. It, it, oh man, this. So what day of the week is it on? Oh, it's next uh, Tuesday, the sixteenth so of April. It's a weekday too, so normal people are going to be at work. Yeah, we restrict the auction to between three hundred and four hundred lots for sale. So they're going through heaps. Uh, hang on. Uh, the type of assets vary. However, we consistently sell the following. Electrical products, plasma and LCD TVs, laptop computers, home theater systems, stereo systems, mobile phones, coffee machines, food processors, power tools, bicycles, perfume, domestic furniture, prints, clothing, shoes, and more. We have to go to this. This is like a one-stop shop. Why have I never been to one of these? Let's start a reality show like police auctions. Uh, yeah. I, well, actually, yeah. How is that not a show? I know. Like, TLC would buy that in a heartbeat. Police Auctions Australia. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. I'll bring well, it, that's I'll the bring end the of the camera. podcast. We're off to <laughs> off to make a career in TV. We're doing our OB. We're going to do an OB at the, at the yeah. police auction. <laughs> I, I'm tipping you can't just bring a camera. That if you do, it's likely to end up one of the lots. Yeah. Like, and freshly <laughs> confiscated. They, they seize it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad to know that actually exists and I'm looking forward to actually going to one one day. Yeah. Um, Homer here suggests that there might be things for Marge like drug dresses and drug vacuum cleaners. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get Johnny D and... No, not Johnny D. Who's... Yeah, it is Johnny D. Yeah. yeah Johnny and D's Snake gates. watching out the window. These prestigious wrought iron security gates are bulletproof, bomb-proof and battering ram resistant. Now... Then what happened to Johnny D? He forgot to lock them. Now, what am I bed? One kilo. Sound. That's a funny line. Yeah, it is. Like that's, like it's not a it's not a gut busting laugh, but like that's that kind of like <laughs> as you're going along, it's just that little injection of of comedy. Johnny C gave me that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, and then he sees Little Bandit and Snake. Did says, you notice that they were, by the way, bidding in drugs? No. Oh yeah, yeah. The the weight. Yeah. Yeah. What's the bid? One kilo. Yeah. Sold. Yeah. 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 Um. He sees little bandits up for sale. So he's going to totally kill whoever buys it. Cut to mm-hmm. Homer buying it, obviously. Yeah. Um, Homer doesn't consult Marge. So this is essentially you. Didn't consult um, with Marge. <laughs> Just bought a car. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, I didn't put it back in Ash's face when I noticed that she had a new hat. The hat that she found? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Ash wear a hat, ever. Um, oh, maybe, maybe, sometimes a sun hat. but A sun hat is the pretty much the... Yeah, well, I mean, it's not like she's... I'm her husband, obviously. I've seen her wear hats. That's not a very interesting topic of conversation, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Homer's driving recklessly, and Marge is not appreciating at all. So she gets out, and she's about to. She's trying to put the whole guilt trip, saying, "If you want me to come back in that car, you better stop, you know, being an idiot." Doesn't listen to her at all. He doesn't give a shit. He just likes his new car. Takes off and leaves her. Okay, bye, love you. Then that's where we cut to. It's, this is where the main story starts. So Marge is walking along, walking home. And she sees Lionel Hutz. And she didn't realize he's a real estate agent. You know, if you lived here, you'd be home by now. Mr. Hutz, I didn't know you sold real estate. You didn't? We should talk more often, Marge. You see, the law business is a little slow. And since most of my clients wind up losing their houses, this was a natural move for me. Helping people find homes. 
That must be really rewarding. Yes, the money is good. But the beauty is you get to stay in the house until it's sold. Come on, guys. Let's go for a swim. Can I say, this is the first time I ever heard that if you lived here, you'd be home by now? Which is, you know, a bit of a, a cliche. As in anywhere. Yeah, yeah. The Simpsons introduced me to that phrase. Yeah, I'm sure they didn't create it, but it is a great line. Hmm. Maybe they did create it. Who knows? Was it said beforehand? I'd, I'd be very surprised if they cre- if they did. Um, it'd be a difficult thing to try to find out. But in any case, for me, this was the origin of that sentence. It was a good uh, story as to why he became a real estate agent as well. My clients often lose their houses, so this was just you know, <laughs> <laughs> this was a natural move. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and the the bonus being that you can live in the house until it's sold. So he goes in there with the dogs. Yeah. Homer is then showing Mo the car. Some for some reason Mo knows a lot about cars. Never knew this. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, well, it doesn't go. It just, and this doesn't go anywhere. This scene either. It's just a scene. Not. Yeah, that's true. It's just something to fill space. I think more. Yeah, they needed to be able to go from Marge seeing Lionel Hutz, if they cut straight to the next scene, which starts with her saying selling real estate could be just what I'm looking for, it'd just be too quick. You'd be like, well, hang on, how how do we get from there to here? By inserting the Homer and Mo scene, it just, uh, Uh, as far as an edit goes, you're like, okay, there's been a passage of time and now they're back home. Yes and no. You could have just cut to Homer saying, I don't know, Marge, I don't know whether you cut out for the real estate agency. Yeah, you could have, but it would be slightly more jarring. This just helps it segue in, I think. Yeah, I guess. And it also shows that they're emphasizing how Homer is buying this, you know, jacked up car, but he knows nothing about it. Yeah. Uh, and the, 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 the conversation oh, is pretty much me at Ford when they used to talk about cars. I had no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. I made that last one up. I see. Yeah. But then we get to the, the moment you mentioned. So Marge is um, she's telling the family how she really wants to be an agent. Um, Homer does have a great line here that trying is the first step towards failure. <laughs> yeah. As he then just misses his. But I don't even know what he was chewing. Or like what he was trying to cut, but just sends it flying off the plate. Yeah. Aww. Marge says she needs to study. Um, Bart and Lisa decide to help her out studying because it means that Bart doesn't have to do his normal homework. They do the whole role-playing thing, which I enjoyed. I like that they're trying to help her out because you got to support your mum, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. This is another one of those moments where Homer is not supportive at all, but the kids are helping her, which is good. Lisa... Says to Marge, a good way for, to remember things is she, what she uses is she sings songs. And I, I've used this before in the past as well. Singing songs sort of like helps me remember it. I also liked when uh, sort of like Lisa and Bart, they role playing. Yep. So they have a little bit of a squabble. And Bart says, we should have lived together first. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> I like Mr. and Mrs. Superman. On the closing day, the escrow agents pay. Taxes, lend an interest too, thanks to Fannie Mae. They back your bank. You're all nuts. This is pretty much what my mum, my sister and I would have done when we were kids. And that's exactly how my dad would have responded. Just straight face. Marge yeah. does the test and she passes. I like how Sea Captain reckons he nailed the question about the um the houseboats. Yeah. What's the whole undermining each other's confidence or something? Oh, just that thing of like... I did better you know, than you, you to- kind of thing. Yeah, like, oh, geez, I did a really good job on this one. Or um, just throw out a thing of like, God, that section was really difficult. Was it? Like, did you catch the little trick question that they threw in there at 37? I feel like, you, I feel like you'd be one of those dicks who would just make shit up. So you'd be, you would walk out of a test and go, oh, man, that, that little trick in the, you know, like you said, question 37, that nearly got me, but I, I got it. And it would make the person go, ooh, oh, my, I didn't get that. 
But it never existed. I'd, I'd go more down the path of, geez, it was really nice of the teacher to just put a personal message on everyone's exam. <laughs> did, wait, did you not? Oh. <laughs> you totally would have done that in year 12. Uh, yeah, if I cared enough to talk to anyone that I went to school with in year 12. So Marge has passed and we get the whole better luck next time uh, sign. Because they just, I don't know, I guess they just assumed that she was, not assumed she was going to fail, but they, had, they were prepared in case she did fail. I passed! Yay! Way to go! go. Oh, thank you, Bart. Thank you, Lisa, for all your help. What about me? You didn't thank me. You didn't do anything. I like being thanked. Then it moves to Marge getting a job. So she got a job very quickly, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, basically, once she passed the exam, she's in. Yeah, so what what other real estate agencies are there in Spring? I guess there must be a few because there are a lot of people taking that test. Yeah, there'd have to be a couple. Yeah, uh, there'd but be Hudson's... Harborside Harborside Realty for the sea captain. West Side. Well, would the, I don't be, know if would... the West Side would have their own agency. You don't reckon? I don't think so. Who else is in there? I'm just, just having a quick squeeze. I don't think there's any other major. Was it just for Callister so they can have the gag about the houseboats? Yeah, pretty much. And okay. then there was a couple other people in the background. Yeah, so Hutch introduces Marge to all the team. This is where we get the first introduction to Gil. Gil, who has, was it, 42 of the 50 years of real estate experience. Yes. And like you said at the start of this podcast, you just feel like he's always been there. It's, it's amazing that this is doing this podcast. We've been doing it for five years now. This is the first time he's appeared in an episode. It's crazy. Yeah. And th- this is a great line from Hutz, by the way. The, um, like, got any leads? I need some leads. Please help me. That's enough, Gil. Don't drag her down with you. <laughs> Hutz's <laughs> like, treatment of Gil is so mean but so funny, isn't it? Yeah. After he's just built him up, though, he's the most experienced guy. And then it's just, don't taint her with your mess. Then we get Cookie Kwan and Nick Callahan, who's just... Nick Callahan reminds you of just that jock douchebag. Is he the guy from Glengarry Glen Ross? Is that who he's taken off? The, the successful Oh, guy? Ricky Roma. Um... Slightly, uh, not so much the way Al Pacino played him in the movie, and I've never been lucky enough to see a stage production of it. So, but he, I think he's more just—is he that he's cocky? A, nah, no. Or just he's, good? He's no, he's he's a little bit of both. He's not that in your face kind of prep boy cocky or anything along those lines by any stretch. Um, he just knows how good he is. He, he, yeah, he knows how good he is. He carries himself with an air of superiority. At one point, there's been a break-in and there's a cop who's wanting to interview him, but he's mid-rant over something else. It just walks to the cop. He's like, I will be with you in one minute. <laughs> and then goes back to his, goes back to screaming. <laughs> it's just amazing. Uh, that's great. I know you did show me that scene where they're... Where he yells at Ed Harris? In the office, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a big man you are. Yeah, let me get a stick of gum. I'll show you how to chew it. <laughs> so, uh, one last question. Do you feel like you would appreciate this episode more having seen that, that movie? Uh, possibly. I think the fact that I like the movie does help me like the, the real estate side of things here. Okay, okay. There's also that my parents, when I was 50, on my dad's side... Um, worked like they ran a real estate agency and I spent a little bit working there not who working did? on real estate me um but I, I just doing basic office stuff and no, no, but who, who ran it oh my dad my dad and grandparents up in Queensland ran a real estate agency yeah dad who had been a boilermaker for 25 years decided he wanted out of that for a little while and then sat his course and ended up 
he worked as a salesman. My grandfather was the principal. Uh, but yeah, so I kind of spent, well, a few hours a week, three nights, uh, sorry, a few hours a day, three days a week after school in and around the office. So it just, it feels like it's familiar territory to me. And the sort of stereotypes that they hit are very accurate. Did you ever quote uh, Pacino to your dad? No, I hadn't seen it. What a big it. man you are. <laughs> I hadn't seen it by that point. I was only 15. I didn't watch Glenn Gary till I was about 17, 18. Okay. I love how you can remember like what age. I was about 17 when I first saw the film. Yeah, yeah. Is, that, is that important yeah. to me? Well, but anyway. Year 11. Like it's a bookmark in my life. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I would have been doing media studies. That's yeah. anyway. Marge gets her blazer. Um, she feels like she's part of the team now. She feels, you know, she feels a bit special because she's always just been this housewife and now she feels mm-hmm. important. She's got a, a purpose to get up in the morning besides looking after... Oh, who's looking after Maggie, by the way? Uh, daycare? Uh, Let's maybe. go with that. I guess so. They don't, but they don't actually mention that. It's just No, anyway. no, they don't mention it. They just accept that, you know, something's been arranged. Yeah. I, I guess watching the episode, you don't really think of that, that anyway, do you? Thank you. Thank you, everybody. I'm going to do my darndest to uphold the principles and ideals this jacket represents. I give her a week. Are you guys talking about the West Side? No, Cookie, I swear it. I'm scared of you. We come back and Homer is driving very badly with his family in the car. The kids are all scared. Mm-hmm. Just being a, you know, a, cl- a great dad, basically, isn't he? Gee, that picture makes your butt look big. I thought so too, but they said it sells. Works for the Lumber King. Lumber. We need lumber. Marge talks to uh, Mo. She's trying to. She's door to door salesman, basically. And she's uh, she Mo points out, "How do you know I'm in financial trouble? I don't. Well, I am." Takes her card and slams the door. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and then we get Hibbets. Now this is where we get the first sign that Marge. Probably isn't going to be cut out for being a real estate agent, don't we? Uh, correct. With the like, just the fact that she is super uncomfortable about the house that she's selling, and you can't she sell anything if you're not comfortable with it. Well, she doesn't want to lie. To, not so much even just lying to anybody. She just want to lie to her friends. I think it would be anyone with Marge, but particularly her friends. Yeah, we we only see her with her friends. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, going as far as I suppose. Like, even when they're saying, well, I suppose we could get used to it, that she then talks them out of that idea. Yeah. Did like, though, that she did get some benefit for being honest. She gets prescriptions, no questions asked. No questions asked. <laughs> then we get Sideshow Mel. First time I've ever seen Mel with a lady. I always assumed he was gay mm. for Krusty. Oh, did you really? I never assumed he was gay. I love you, Krusty. Quiet. Yeah, no, that was just Krusty being homophobic. It was the way I took that. It's been nine seasons. We've never seen him with a with a woman. I just assumed. Yeah. Because okay. they, he's very flamboyant, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, is, not saying that I... he can't be flamboyant and straight at the same time, but it's just 1997, that was your typical homosexual character, flamboyant. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I just never read that into him. But I do really love the delivery of it. Good shot, Barbara. I can't believe it. Her house with a bowling alley. Like, he's just... Really given it to every word in that sentence. That's how he talks with everything. Yeah. <laughs> and the, and I didn't really care for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the delightful plaque. What did the plaque say? That was going to be one of my trivia questions. Uh, it was okay. bless this mess. Bless this mess, yeah. Homer then is trying to get Skinner to drag with him. But mm-hmm. Skinner mentions that his high school sweetheart died in a drag race. Homer's yep. not caring at all. He still wants to do it. 
Um, but then he realised that the car won't start because he's not putting premium in it, is he? Yeah. Uh, love Snake mid-workout and yeah, he's got a bit of weight on there. Let's say that's a 20, a 10, uh, so 35. He's doing about 70 kilos there, might, I reckon. Might, might be pounds. I'm just going by the size of the weights from the gym that I just came back on. So, like, the, the number, oh, there okay. aren't numbers thought, on there. I thought, just, I thought you meant they said it on no. there. Okay, no worries. Yeah. No, 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 I'm just estimating. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so he just leaves because it's just an honesty program at the yeah. Springfield Prison. So that's actually another really good line. Screw the honor system. My yeah. car needs me. And, um, yeah, and by the end of the episode, you kind of wish he got his car back because he genuinely loves his car. I know he's a bad person and he does try to kill Homer. Yeah. But he just wants his car back. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I guess, though, he shouldn't have broken the law and it would have been confiscated. Hutz is not happy with Marge because she's not selling any houses and then we get the whole truth. Listen, it's time I let you in on a little secret, Marge. The right house is the house that's for sale. The right person is anyone. But all I did was tell the truth. Of course you did, but there's the truth and the truth. Let me show you. It's awfully small. I'd say it's awfully cozy. That's dilapidated. Rustic. That house is on fire. Motivated seller. That's a beauty. Forget about that house. That's the murder house. Oh, I remember. Mrs. Astor was very lucky. Well, no one expects you to sell that house. But you better sell something. Because cubicles are for closers, Marge. Anybody who doesn't sell a house their first week gets fired. I probably should have mentioned that earlier. So there, we get the introduction to the murder house. And this is, this is what sets up the final act of the episode, really. Yeah. Marge is then telling the family she just doesn't want to lie. It's just not who she is. And it's understandable. The Marge character, you can believe that this is how she would react if she was a real estate agent. She just is not cut out for that kind of thing, is she? Yeah. But even for her, it's not even lying. It's just bending the truth. She can't even go that far. Exactly right, yeah, because she knows. Uh, she's just too She's too nice, Marge, isn't she? She At times, yeah. yeah. Certainly certainly for this position. But then we get a great moment here, a great uh, acting from Julie, where it's almost like Marge gets pissed off because she thinks that everyone else thinks so little of her. Yeah. And really, it's not that they think little of her, it's just that, that that's all these qualities, that's why they love Marge, but she doesn't want to be thought of like that. Yeah. I do, I do enjoy that. So that's how you see me as a spineless potato cooking housewife who can't compete in the real world. And everyone, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like they don't get that, why that's bad. It's like, yeah, yeah that's why we love you, mum. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she says, "I'm going to make a sale, whether you like it or not." She starts showing the Flanderses some houses. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Now I know that you've said home has been a jerk, but this is a funny line. Kids, your mother's under a lot of pressure. Why don't we let her clear the table in please? In peace. <laughs> I know it's it. I'm not saying he's not funny in this episode. It's just not the Homer that I remember. Yeah, <laughs> uh, or, or the Homer that I appreciate the most. Then, like I said, she's showing the Flanders some houses. The wall falls down. The classic Lenny. I'm actually wearing that shirt right now. I didn't even realize the present uh, really? how I live. I love yeah. how eager Flanders is to buy something, to, like be, because he wants to help Marge out. Yeah, exactly. Like he just. You know, the house, it's a handyman's dream because it's so dilapidated. Well, nothing's perfect. I'd hate to make you come out here and not buy a house as he reaches for it. And then, Nettie, the home buyer's course said, always look inside the house before buying. The whole wall falls down. 
Um, yeah, this, the shirt I'm wearing right now has Lenny. It's like one of those pocket shirts. So on the front, mm. it says, please don't tell people how I live. You pull down the pocket and you can see Lenny hiding in the pocket. Ah, that's great. Yeah, it is a pretty cool shirt. But yeah, this is this is one of the more memorable Lenny moments, I reckon. Uh, Especially yeah. from this era. I, I think yeah. that the more classic memorable Lenny moments actually come from... From this era. The, late, the later seasons. Yeah, you got the, yeah. the thing in his eye. The, be- the better ones from the earlier years would be the uh, scaring Mr. Burns in the car, play cas- classical gas, that kind of stuff. This is the worst day of my life. Yeah, that as well. Yeah. Special K. But anyway, so March, you still just can't lie. And then they notice the, the murder house across the road. Uh, and like we said at the start, I've got here in my notes, why is it such a big deal? Like someone got murdered there. Who fucking cares? Just buy the house and enjoy it. Yeah. Um, Marge doesn't tell them. And so they're going through the house and we get sort of like quotes like scream bloody murder and things like that. Yeah. It's, the price has been slashed repeatedly. There's a bunch of puns. Murder yeah, puns. Yeah. Murder related puns. And then we get the the fantastic squeal. Now, have you? I won't say what it says, but have you seen the blowjob related meme with Flanders doing this squeal? No, I won't say it on the podcast because it's it's not suitable. But if you just Google it, guys. Not so, right. hang on. We've discussed a lot on this podcast. I I, I feel wrong saying it. Okay. Basically. Okay. Anyway, just just Google it, guys. Purple drapes. All my life, I've wanted purple drapes. But anyway, so we come back from commercial and everyone is impressed that Marge sold the murder house because, you know, Gil's been trying to do it for 21 years and no one was able to do it. Um, and Marge is trying to say, oh, it was just salesmanship and no one believes it. They're like, no, no, what, what, what kind of trick did you use? What, what did you lie about? What tactic? No, it was just the salesmanship. Buff and Bluff, the Hale Murray, the Saskawana Shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> I love Hutt's show Marge was. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's actually quite similar to last week's gag with the we... Yeah, that's a little bit, yeah. Yeah, she gets a new blazer and it says closer. Um, and then he takes Gil's third wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just poor Gil. You just, yeah. just got to love the guy, right? But there is an episode later on where the family, it's probably four or five seasons from now, it's a, I think it's a Christmas episode actually, the family take Gil in and then they realize he's really, really annoying and there's a reason why he's down on his luck so much because he's just a moocher. Yeah, he is. Like it's it's, but you still just feel for the guy. It's oh, it's just hard. It's hard del- not to. It's, it's the acting and the delivery that you just want to. I don't know. I don't want to take him in because I feel like if he came to my house, shit would start to go wrong. Well, basically, moves into the, the Simpsons house and then he just really takes advantage of everybody. Yeah, and they all just end up hating him in the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I kind of wish they didn't have that episode because it's. It adds a, an element to the character that you don't want because you're supposed to feel sorry for him. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like, my favourite Gil is when he's calling his wife to tell him that he was real close to a sale. Snake then tries to kill Homer. It's pretty intense like with the with the wire. Like, he actually wanted to mm. cut Homer's head off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we get the, the visual gag of Kirk getting his arm cut off. Did you notice when the arm gets cut off that it's yellow on the inside? It's not red? Uh, yeah, actually, you're right. It's um yeah maybe that, I thought red was a bit graphic I don't know like you yeah, got maybe. trouble cutting his arm off wouldn't you just have it red yeah I don't know I guess to kind of again enhance the comicness cartoonish of it maybe they just run out of red paint maybe there's that I'm sure <laughs> I think they were hand painted back then yeah they definitely were yeah then Flanders is moving out of his normal house and I was just being a douche here you know like I said earlier sold a house yep. got rid of the neighbors what's for dinner. Then he's rude to Ned as well. 
but that's what you would come to expect. Marge is concerned though. She doesn't want the Flanders to move because she still feels bad. She she's happy that she's sort of that her workmates uh, accept her now and appreciate the effort that she's done, but she just doesn't feel quite right. And so she's yeah. just you know stay at our place. Don't go, please don't go. You can you know we'll stay at a motel. No no no, Marge. We just want to get home and rest in peace. Another another yeah. death pun. Let me get Homer singing. My name is Luca, by the way. Just in the in the next scene. Really? Yeah. So it cuts to him driving. So like, I, I, yeah. I, I just want to say, I did like Homer's. Oh, that old Flanders place gives me some creeps. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> then yeah, go to it. But yeah, it cuts to him driving, singing. My name is Luca. I live on the second floor, which is um, random but funny. Random but funny, and like I feel like my name is Luca is a song that not many people have ever actually sat down and listened to the lyrics to. Like it's just very clearly about child abuse. Uh, is, oh yeah. Like they, you, is it they only hit until you cry. After that, you don't ask why. Like. It's really, really brutal. Uh, sorry, it's really, really beautifully sung, but a brutal song. But it gets played in like supermarkets. <laughs> like it's yeah, just, you're right. Yeah, kind of like um. Oh no, short people's pretty blatant. That's no, just... that's blatant. I was gonna say pumped up kicks. All you other oh, yeah, kids with yeah, pumped up just, kicks better run, sh- better run faster than my bullets, and that'd yeah. be played, and people would just be like humming along to it in, you know, daycare centres, and and not actually go ah. That's a really fucked up song about murdering people because they have better shoes. Um, the Boomtown Rat song, was it I Don't Like Mondays? Don't Like about, Mondays. Yeah, another similar song. Uh, that one's not as obvious though. No, like that's, yeah, the the imagery in that is fine. It's just that the silicon chip inside her head got switched to overload and no yeah. one's going to go to school today. She's going to make them stay at home. So, where are we? So, yeah, so Snake hijacks the car with Homer in it um, and we get, a pretty, we get a pretty cool action sequence coming up. But Marge then goes to tell the Flanderses that the uh, this is the murder house. She walks in and finds them all covered in what would turn out to be paint. But I think this would have been a good commercial break, don't you reckon? Yeah, it would have. It's it would have been a good hook. Just too late in the episode, really, for an ad break here. But yes. Yeah. But sometimes they used to do that when there was like, say, five mm, minutes true. left. Do you remember that? They, they stopped doing it a little bit later on. But in the early years, I remember them doing that quite often. Yeah. Whether that was just Channel 10 whacking a commercial break in there for the sake of it, I don't know. But Yeah. Um, I love that. So, they came out to take a break and dozed off on a wooden floor. Yeah. Uh, but it's just purely for the gag, obviously. Like, presumably, I, you haven't unpacked much yet either. But Jesus. Yeah, but maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We get Todd with Red Room. Yeah. Red Room over there. Take on the old shinning. And then uh, we get to Homer and Snake fighting. And like I said, it's a pretty cool action sequence. Homer's actually not a bad fighter when he wants to be. Yeah, it's kind of uh, Bond-esque, oh, this yeah, sequence. for sure. And pointing out how dangerous it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's one, there's one point where he just Whoa. keeps punching Snake. I was like, oh, Homer's a bit of a badass here. When he breaks his nose. Pretty much. It's pretty yeah. messed up. Um, They yeah. drive past. Wiggum starts chasing them. Drive past Wiggum. Report who reports a three a three eighteen waking yeah. a police officer. <laughs> uh, I, I love the Simpsons made up crimes. Yeah, a like four two seven whatever it is sort of thing. Uh, Flanders, the Flanders are actually excited that it's the that it's the uh, murder house. Marge thought you know they're going to want mm-hmm. their money back, but no. What is it? I love the quote. I'm a torso. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they couldn't think of any reason why they wouldn't want to live there. Uh, the door opens up or the window opens up. I think it's the door. And then we see the car come flying towards the house, smashes into it. And then it's it's damaged, but then Wiggum drives his car into it and just completely destroys the place. Flanders asks for the uh, deposit back. Marge, of course, you can give it back to him. And they rip it up. And we, Homer and Wiggum have landed on bubble wrap. So it turns out bubble wrap's a pretty good... Uh, they should put, should put bubble wrap in cars, according to The Simpsons. 
Oh, uh, wow. Oh. Lucky thing we landed on this bubble wrap. Hey, quit hogging. Oh, I'm badly hurt. A smashed hot rod, a wrecked police cruiser, a destroyed house. I've had it with your renegade ways, Simpson. You're a loose cannon. But I... And what really fries me is you returned his check. I'm sorry, Mr. Hutz, but I just can't lie to people. <laughs> You're one of a kind, Marge. And nobody deserves this more than you. Then he gives her the jacket that says fired on it. Um, the f family are just trying to say, don't worry, Mum. You just won't cut out for it. There's nothing wrong with it. I wish I could bring home a paycheck. Now, this begs the question as to why wouldn't Marge have been claiming unemployment for the first nine seasons? That's a good question. I don't know a lot about the unemployment system over there, but uh, but yeah, presumably. You think she would have mm. if she's able to in this episode? Yeah. Anyway, so they're going through. I did like the little Larry Burns in there. Oh, was Larry in there? I didn't Larry's in the line, that. yeah. It's sh shaking his tie. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Lurleen's in there, Kirk with his arm in a sling, and yeah. uh, George Meyer, the guy who actually pitched that gag, the writer. He um he's the guy with the blue hat. I think the last time we saw him was in the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie show. Yeah, right. And of course, George Bush. And George Bush at the end. Now, yeah. is that just some sort of political joke that I'm missing? Um, oh, probably. What, what year did you say this went to air? Ninety-seven. So he wasn't the president anymore. This uh, is George no. Bush Senior. But yeah, so I guess it would just purely been that like a little joke about what's he been doing since um and maybe about I, I i don't know if u.s presidents get the same sort of pension as an australian prime like australian um politicians do i imagine they would um uh, but maybe it was just a case to get one last little kick in at george bush for just you know obviously they had their feud yeah they did but the um the whole pointing and laughing freeze frame is that like, what is that just meant to be taking the piss out of, like, 80s cop shows? I feel like it, yeah. Um, I don't know what one, but I know that... Uh, because because the soundtrack during the chase action scene was very 80s. It was, yeah. Um, the Leslie Nielsen uh, police squad that, you know, ultimately, I think it lasted six episodes before becoming the Naked Gun, they did a... a piss take of those freeze frame endings in every one where they would freeze frame but it was just the actors holding their position and then eventually like one of them would start like looking around like can we stop or someone you know the two cops would freeze frame and then the criminal that they'd arrested would realize that no one was moving and he'd make his escape or something like that um, i love it when i'm watching i love it when you're watching the wrestling and they always you know and they're there are segments backstage with them sort of staring at each other or staring oh, to the yes. camera. And yep. sometimes they take too long to sort of cut to the next scene and the person's like, can I stop staring now? Like, it's, it's, like, like, it's like they look off camera. It's like, can, can, I, can I stop? <laughs> it's like when the newsreader has thrown to a commercial and shuffled their papers, but it doesn't cut yet. Yeah, they're yeah, just exactly. like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so all in all, this, um, yeah, this, is, this is a great episode. Not a huge amount of belly laughs, but it's entertaining from start to finish. The The subplot's really funny. I really enjoyed the Homer subplot. As much as he's a dick, it's very entertaining. Uh, uh, Huts and Snake, for me, make this episode. And Gil, I guess. Gil is a great introduction mm -hmm. to the character. It's just sad because whenever you're watching this, you sort of, as a Simpsons fan, you know it's the last time you see Huts. I guess that's why you sort of, yeah, you have that sort of love for this episode because you know, well, this is it. Whilst it makes you feel sad, it's also nice, like, oh, it's a, it's a really, like you said at the start of this podcast, it's a very, very good farewell to the character, isn't it? It is, yeah. It, get, it gets his time to shine. Yeah. What did we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn from the episode, Mitch? That seatbelts kill more people than they save. 
That is true. I learned that waking a police officer is apparently a crime. Yeah, well, I've never, I've never tried it, but I'm certainly not going to after that. If you saw a police officer sleeping in the, his car, would you walk up and wake him up, or would you leave him be? I'd leave him be, unless he was on a stakeout, and I don't know how I would know the difference. Jamil, Jamil is here. Ooh, mailbag this week, Mitch. What do you got for me? Matthew Schaefer writes in saying, I'll listen a little later. A friend of mine had recommended your podcast a couple years ago, and I told him I'd listen a little later. I'd listen a little later. I didn't really get into podcasts. podcast ended. <laughs> until moving from Brooklyn to Wilmington, Delaware, which he, in brackets, ouch, <laughs> close brackets, <laughs> afraid that you had already left. I asked my friend if you were still on, and he said he didn't know. He did. <laughs> and alas, you are wonderful uh, listen to seasons two to three so far. Skipped ahead to the principal and the poor part. Great take. And Mitch actually sounds like he has aged. Uh, that's because Dando <laughs> has Dando's been force feeding me cigarettes ever since he decided my voice was too high pitched in season one. It's one of the little behind the scenes secrets of four finger discount. <laughs> Laramie cigarettes. Um, well, I mean, you call them Laramies to try to make it themed, but yeah. I'm pretty sure that they're just put together cigarette butts that you're finding on the street, reconstructing them into a new one. Do you know I used to make cigarettes for my nan when I was a kid? Like on school holidays, she used to like buy her tobacco illegally. Oh, like, yeah. Did you roll them or did she have one of those little rolly cartridges? No, you put the tobacco in, then you go, and you shake it like a shotgun. Yeah. And then you you, you move like a shotgun and it like locks it all in there. It was great. Yeah, my mum had one of those. I used to love that as well. Yeah. I'd be like, nan, can I make smokes for you? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, not have them, just make them. Yeah, yeah, just making them. I didn't, I didn't even know what a smoke was, you know, I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of um, people listening to the show, new listeners, so I did Supernova for pop culture. I worked the board game stand uh, in Melbourne last weekend. 32 hours of overtime, killed me. But anyway, so a couple of our listeners actually walked up and knew who I was purely from the Facebook page, which was incredible. Oh, that's pretty sweet. So like, are you, are you? Oh, let's get this right. So you'll love this. So the, not this part, but so one guy is like, are you Dando? Like he was, he was a, um, I can't remember your name, mate. I know you listen. I'm sorry. I forgot your name, but he was one of the assistants to the photographers for the celebrities. So he had a long, boring day ahead of him. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming up and saying hello. There's another guy named James. I believe James was the guy who walked up and he goes, you poison me and goes, Mitch. <laughs> and I was like, Dando. <laughs> He's like, fuck. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I'm pretty sure his name was James. There was James that came up to me, but yeah, there were several people that came up to me just knowing who I was, just from I guess pictures on the page. But um, yeah, they listened to the yep. show, so thank you to everybody who came up and said hello. Made my day. I love meeting new listeners in random locations. That's Hawaiian airports and Supernova Expos. But there was one guy dressed as Jasper. I put a picture of him on the Facebook page as soon as I saw him. And um, he had like the Jasper mask, he had a paddle. It was fantastic. If you haven't checked it out yet, just go to our Facebook page. I posted it on Saturday, I think it was, Saturday morning. It was, or it might have been Sunday morning. It was fantastic. Check it out. That's pretty sweet. David Nichols is the next one to have written in. I was just thinking, by the way, I, I don't think I have met listeners in random locations, which is a little distressing to me. I've met them at pre-de- predetermined times. It was great um, meeting all the listeners at the last trivia night, wasn't it? Was that fun. was fun. But and I love hearing but I mean, stories. You know, some people saying how what the show means to them and stuff. And don't ever feel like that's corny. I love hearing that kind of stuff. From oh, guys. yeah, please all do. Great, you know? Yeah, it's amazing when that happens. Yeah, but we appreciate you all. All I meant was like I knew they were going to be there. So Yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to thank them anyway. Yeah. Listeners, raise your game. You know I'm in Geelong. Come find me. <laughs> <laughs> well, one guy thought I was you. <laughs> 
Well, that's close. He was obviously on the hunt. He but... was so. He was so. Det- he was so certain as well. He's like Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> like pointed right in my face. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, Dave Nichols writes in. Uh, Hello, I've just listened to your two Mrs. Nahasapima Petalons episode, and you discussed films or the premise of a film where the elderly escape from a retirement home. He's suge- he's thrown a couple suggestions. So if anyone found that to be a, a funny kind of idea, Mrs. Caldercott's cabbage. Ah, nope. I was always going to get this wrong. Mrs. <laughs> Caldercott's Cabbage War, two thousand and two, British film along the lines that we discussed. There's also Bubba Hotep. Now, I have seen Bubba Hotep. That's where a pair of elderly residents claiming to be Elvis and JFK, JFK played by a black man, fight a supernatural foe in their retirement home. Wow. Yeah. It's incredible. Have you seen it? Yeah, I have. It's um, like it's hard to say that it's a good movie, but like it's a movie that's got some ideas and it just goes hard for <laughs> it's it. It's got some ideas. Yeah. I want to say, is it Bruce Campbell? Yeah, Bruce Campbell plays Elvis Presley. Bruce Campbell. Yeah, Bruce you know, Campbell. He's, he's he's fantastic on the um, on the uh, convention circuit. Like he's just one of those people that just gets it. Yeah, and people just no matter how many times he comes, people pay to meet the guy because he's just a fucking legend. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Uh, what was his autobiography like? The most famous chin in the world, or something like that. Oh, I'm not too sure. Uh, yeah, see, I it was something watched, self. Um, I haven't watched the Evil Dead TV series, but apparently it's great. It's hilarious. Yeah, uh, neither had I actually, but yeah, I have heard good things. We sell so many of the Ash slashy puppet. It's like a hand puppet that's like his, I think it's his enemy on yeah, the show. Yeah, okay. I don't know. But yeah. anyway. That's cool. Emma Savage writes in with a question and a cromulent story that will round out the mailbag. Oh, sorry. She does, and I'll get to that in two seconds. You haven't, you haven't, did you ask a question yet? Dave didn't have one, but he did say that he's really enjoying the Futurama podcast, which cool. is timely because we'll be recording one soon. Mm-hmm. Uh we were meant to do it last week, and Elliot's schedule got in the way. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, Emma writes in. She actually has a question and a cromulent story. I'll start with the story first. When I was younger, I always identified with Lisa Simpson as a character and saw myself reflected in her. As I grew older, I lost that identification somewhat, but didn't really identify with anyone else. Probably a lot to do with there not being many teen slash young adult characters, uh, which is a fair point. Like, aside from the bullies, like, there's really no one in that middle age demographic that you can hang on to. I work now as a high school mathematics teacher and was trying to explain to my year eight class that there is more than one branch of mathematics and there are many different types of mathematicians. The students weren't really getting it, so I tried the old teacher standby of relating to pop culture. I told them, remember the Simpsons episode where Homer goes into space with a mathematician, a different kind of mathematician, and a statistician? A statistician. It fell completely flat. Not one of them out of 27 had seen the episode. I was shocked and immediately said, am I so out of touch? (laughs) (laughs) It was then that I had the realization that the character I now identify most with is Principal Skinner. What makes me sad is that there's a whole generation now that don't watch The Simpsons. Never have watched The Simpsons. Don't give a shit about The Simpsons. Yeah. Ah, but screw them, Dando. Planet's gonna, planet's gonna be gone by the time they're adults. <laughs> oh man, it's just yeah. I'm gonna make sure that my little dude watches The Simpsons. Oh, he already has started watching it. <laughs> Her question was, "What is a piece of factual knowledge that you learned by watching The Simpsons that you have used in real life?" So, I'll mention hers while you try to think of one. 
For me, it was that Marie and Pierre Curie discovered radium, as mentioned in the episode Marge Gets a Job. It came up as a question in an inter-class science week competition when I was in high school, and our class won by a single point. The prize was a pizza party, and I take full credit for that victory based on the single fact that I learned from watching The Simpsons. Fair enough. I know I've always, I know I've mentioned several times about how I learned how to draw a cube. Yep. Can you recall one? I'm just trying to think. Uh... The difference between premium and regular unleaded? <laughs> I don't think I would have known that that was a thing. The fact that you can't tell the difference between butter and the, you can't believe it's not butter? Um, <laughs> a fact, an actual fact. I guess there was a lot of American-based facts that I learned because... I just had no... I had to like do some research and went, oh, okay, so that's what they were going for there. A lot of things that way. I will... Okay, Bismarck being the capital of North Dakota. Yeah, okay. From that's, the... Was it Wheel of Fortune? No, no. What was the game show? Um, Oh, I don't know what show they were watching, to be perfectly honest. It was just... But it was in the Demoxenol episode. Yeah, um, yeah. Samson, Simpson and Delilah. That that did come up in a trivia night for me. Um, it just it was, you know, capitals of American cities. And uh, sorry, of American states, and North uh, North Dakota came up. I only knew Bismarck because of that back and forth. Hitler, Hitler, North Dakota, Bismarck. So there you go. There's one. There's that a is fact. one. Yeah, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I'm just I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Do we have one more question for the mailbag, or are we going to wrap it up? Nah, we'll wrap it up. We'll wrap it up. While we we were speaking for like 36 minutes before we even got to the opening title yeah well thank you to everybody who contributed to this week's mailbag don't forget mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au please put a question in the subject line so we know to go straight to one of yours because we do get a lot of uh, spam coming through these days which drives me insane but what can you Mm, do so much don't forget the trivia the next trivia night plus live podcast is going to be on May 30th at the Spotted Mallard in Melbourne and our man Bose is going to be performing live live Simpsons songs as well so make sure you bring your singing voice prizes for first second third and best dressed and for the mini games as well it's going to be so great simpsons themed food and drinks menu going to kick off at 6 p.m may 30th at the spot of mallard if you want tickets the links either at the top of our facebook page or just go to mosh ticks and search four finger discount hope to see as many of you listeners out there as possible i love i love meeting you guys it's great isn't it mitch when you finally get to uh, people who are part of the uh, the patreon group just people who write in people yeah. who comment on the facebook posts on the main page it's love putting uh, let's love putting a face to the to the name you know yeah and at the last trivia night, we were presented with oh my a god, how great was that ceramic replica of our book that had been made and painted and looked that good that at a glance under those lights, I thought it was real. So, it was so good. So if you're coming, that's where the bar's been set. Yeah, the, 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 I've got a picture. I'll put the picture in the group and I'll put it on the page as well because it was just so damn great. I did take a picture of it. And he also gave us ceramic uh, rods as well, didn't he? Yeah, inanimate carbon rods. Yeah, um, I believe he was a patron. I, I, his name escapes me. I'm really, really sorry because you know, I know you put in a shit ton of effort to that, but it was really, really great. Do know that, I appreciate it. And he was also he also won best costume on the night. Him and his uh, partner or teammate were the waffles. The waffles together. that were stuck together. So, so great. Yeah, they got a standing ovation from the crowd. But when I say Bose sing-alongs, like, I'm going to have to post a video on the on the page because... You can't really describe how fun it is to be a part of that, can you? It's just so great when everyone's, like, for example, singing Monorail or You Put the Spring in Springfield or See My Vest. When you're surrounded by like-minded Simpsons fans all singing along, it's such an experience. Yeah, it's very, very cool. Yeah, it's really, really fun. But anyway, uh, so next week we are going to be reviewing Miracle on Evergreen Terrace. Now, that's the Christmas episode from this season where Bart burns down the Christmas tree. 
Um, one of my favorite Christmas episodes, probably the my favorite behind the Marge Be Not Proud. Yep. Really looking forward to reviewing that one. But for now, Mitch, any final words for the listeners? Purple drapes. Purple drapes. <laughs> now, I want you to sing the part where it says the all I'm screaming part. Um, okay. Uh, hang on. Give me two seconds. Okay. I never meant to cause you to be murdered. I never meant to cause you to be stabbed. I only wanted to see you screaming in the purple drapes. Purple drapes. Purple drapes. <laughs> oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> we have to sing this live, right? At the trivia night. Uh, I don't know if we do. Maybe. <laughs> well, we could. We could get boats into it. <laughs> we, we have to start writing Simpsons cover songs, and Purple Drapes is the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. See you guys. Shh.